Hello? Hello? Hear me? Okay. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing good? A little tired? Anybody have some Thanksgiving feasts already? Anybody? A few people? Maybe. A few things uh, in the back of the seats, if you're a first time or you've been here a while, there's some connection cards for all the first time visitors and prayer cards um, to be able to fill out if you have a prayer request or something that we can, uh, that we can pray about. The staff, we, we get together every week and we look over those prayer cards and we pray over everything that's going on in our community. Um, also, in the back of the envelopes, there are giving envelopes. So one thing about song is we're on this mission. We're on this mission to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus, love people, and to do good. And that's kind of the heart behind all of it. It's the heart behind the student ministries. It's the heart behind small groups. It's the heart behind the pantry to be able to reach the community. Um, And all of this involves your guys' generosity and your guys' partnership with us as as we go together as a family and be transformed by the Holy Spirit, follow Jesus, love people, and do good together. Amen? Amen. So, if you would be so generous, we have those giving envelopes. There is a little box in the back that you're able to put those in and uh, is muchly appreciated. There's also other ways to give, too. Church Center app. Get the blowhorn? All right, yeah, where's the blowhorn from last week? Wasn't that a fun week last week? Yeah, okay. Good to know. Good to know it was a fun week when we were outside and the power's off. The tech team's like, no, it was not a good son. Well, um, we had some cool things happen this past week. For our students, we had our uh, Friendsgiving. And there's a picture of that. A ton of students all got together. Ate some uh, good food. Uh, Jess made some uh, green bean casserole. That was excellent. Um, and it was a really great time. We had a lot of, a lot of new faces, some new friends. And um, it was just a great time to fellowship, to bond, to eat a meal together. And at the same time, there was also mom's giving. And I heard from Melody that that also went amazing. She said she didn't get a picture of it. But that was also an amazing part of this past week. Uh, and yesterday, for those of you who joined us on a hike, even though it could have rained, we were able to hike up in the old San Gabriel Trail near the river, and it was just such a wonderful time. So be looking out for when we might be doing the next hike, because it was pretty great, and it was like the perfect weather to be hiking. Um, some awesome things are coming up this next week. Uh, one of the things that's been really great is we're actually partnering with uh, San Dimas Community Hospital. They're kind of doing a food drive and collecting some food and actually decided that they're going to be giving some of that to the pantry because we are reaching so many people around here. So it's just great to see these ways that God's just kind of building connections with our community, even with the hospital right there, that we're able to partner with them to be able to reach the community, to love on people in our community. Um, So be looking out for Melody updating us on those later when she's back. Uh, Also this week, on Tuesday, there will be small groups. So there's little flyers on the welcome table. And these small groups are from 6.30 to 8 in the KMC. And it's kind of just a time to get through what do we talk about on Sunday and how did it impact us and 
And I highly recommend if you have not come to join one of the small or join the small group on Tuesday to, to talk about it. Also, this week there will not be a students gathering on Wednesday, just because the next day is Thanksgiving, and I'm sure so many of you guys have Thanksgiving plans. Uh, so with that, have a happy Thanksgiving this week. Make sure to eat lots of turkey if you like turkey, and mashed potatoes. And lastly, I do want to just give you guys a little heads up. Save the date. On December 16th, in the morning, there will be the Christmas Pantry Drive-Through. Yeah. yeah, that's a fun one. And we're able to connect with the community, and our community connect with our family, and be able to uh, have a good time together celebrating Christmas. So, put it on your calendar, December 16th, 10 a.m. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more about that. If you guys would, join me in prayer, and then Grant will be coming up. Dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather today. Lord, with all the things happening in this world, all the things happening in our, our lives, from great things to hard things, Lord, I, I just pray that you'd be with us this morning, that this space would be a, a sacred space to be able to worship you, to be in community together, to learn and grow. I pray that you would anoint the words of Grant that what he speaks, you would speak to our heart. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Stephen. <Yeah. clears throat> oh, Tara, Tara. We'll see. Yeah, I was gone last weekend, and I hear it was an adventure, right? Who was here last weekend? Anyone get sunburn? Amazing. Well done, everyone. Just uh, pitching in, getting easy ups out. The band moved outside, and uh, Melody apparently preached for five minutes. So she's setting the bar like ever lower. So I'll do my best. Uh, my name's Grant, and I'm a pastor at New Song Church, and it's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to do this. Um, I want to start with a little game, which you might be familiar with, and I need a volunteer. Is this risky? Oh my goodness, okay. I have to walk all the way back there? Okay. Are you scared now? It's really simple. It's so, basically it's word association. You guys know what that is? Word association? Is that on? One, two, it's on. So introduce yourself. Hello. <laughs> What's your name? Kathy. Kathy, okay. So I'm just going to say a word, and you're going to say the first word that comes into your uh -oh. head. <laughs> Microphone up close. Don't swear. There's children here. Kathy. You ready? And the rest of you <clears throat> can just think of what word you would think of in association with this word. You ready? So they will appear on the screen. Dog. Cat. Brunch. Food. Winter. Summer. Train. Plane. Map. Drive. House. Home. Okay. That was it, right? Yeah. Yes, thanks, Electra. Thank you, Kathy. No, it's kind of a fun thing. It can reveal a lot about what people think about certain subjects, like what immediately comes to mind. I was tempted to put Pastor Grant, but that could have been risky too. Um, but I was thinking of some other words that that are maybe familiar to us, and wondering if we 
focus more on a particular area of life, namely the church and our faith and Christianity, what we might say as a quick response, but also what people outside in our community might say, people who maybe have not much connection other than what they experience from maybe a Christian in the workplace or what they see on television or what they read in the newspapers, whatever it might be. Um, And of course, some of that stuff is a little unfair and it's a little bit of a caricature, but I think much of it has some truth because of how we present ourselves, how the church has presented itself in this world. So if I was to go to someone and say, religion, boom, answer. I just do right now, okay, religion. uh, Brunch, no, sorry, I'm the wrong one. (laughs) I'm hungry. (laughs) Christian. Church. Evangelical. I wonder what people might think, what the associations are for those things. Because I think regardless of sometimes the, that there are mean people and people with a, a, an agenda who will twist things and spin things, to a large extent how uh, the church and Christians are perceived is a, really the result of the sum total of our actual actions in the world. Not just what we say we believe or say that we think, but what it actually feels like, sounds like, looks like, what the experience is of people who follow Jesus and also that how we are perceived in the world is supposed to be in some way a reflection or a um, representation of the one we claim to follow, Jesus Christ. And I wonder how accurate that is. In Hebrews, that we've been we're on the next to last week, so next week's the last Hebrews message. We're going to close up this pressing on series and then enter into Advent But in Hebrews so far, the the writer has called his friends several titles. The first being brothers and sisters. The second, holy partners in the heavenly calling. And then God's sons and daughters. And I think one of the questions that the author is wondering is, those identifications, what does it actually mean and look like as they live? And apparently they're becoming weary of this pursuit this journey, and he's been trying to encourage them. He has painted this vivid, full-color picture representation of Christ Jesus and all that he is, all that he has done, all he is doing, all he will do. And, and now he's entering into these final parts, and it's a very pastoral reflection about what that might mean for these people who have sought to follow Jesus, and what does it mean that they're doing that in the world in which they live So we're going to read uh, Hebrews chapter 13, 1 to 8, and then we'll think about what this might mean for us. So keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. There is a great theme in this passage that kind of weaves its way through all of these admonitions, these encouragements, these words, and it is the theme of love. And not just some here today, gone tomorrow kind of love, but the deep, deep love of Jesus that should be manifest in his people because we are his body and he is the head of the body. Jesus said, by this they will know you are my disciples, that you love one another. That's what he said would be the identifying mark in this world of the people who claim to follow him, that we love one another. He summed up the entire law, this complex, endless, important set of standards or callings for human beings which show us that we cannot do it and lead us to grace and to Christ but said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So the first section is really about what does it mean if love is to be the banner over us, the melody that that plays when we are around, this concept of love. And the first concept he he deals with is, is love and community. There is no such thing as a follower of Jesus in isolation from other followers of Jesus. The church is God's design, God's purpose that we would be together. And the first word here is family. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Something had really changed for people to begin to understand that their family was far greater than They're in the flesh, brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. This whole community was to perceive itself as a family. Radical new connections. No longer would people be identified by their race or by their political perspective or their ethnicity or any other claim or or idea that they would follow, but now they would be united and was one in Christ as a family. The second word is hospitality. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. What is hospitality? Well, the word literally means love towards strangers. A stranger is someone I I have no idea about them. They are brand new to me and they appear somehow into my life and I am to extend this form of love to them. William Barclay, a, a Scottish theologian, who wrote a commentary on Hebrews said, Christianity was and still should be the religion of the open door. I would love if these doors were never locked. Back in the day, does anyone remember when church doors were typically not locked? Because you didn't really, there was still a sense that a church was somewhat a sacred place you wouldn't steal stuff out of, right? Sadly, that's because of just the, I mean, the power of addiction and the desperation of some people to get something to sell, whatever it is, whatever the means, we don't do that anymore. We're actually once a month, as we did a couple of Wednesdays ago, we're gonna open these doors up to the whole community for a couple of hours just for silent reflection, prayer. I want this place to be a place for our community to enter in. No matter how strange they may appear, no matter who they are, we want them to be able to find a place here, the open door. What do you make of this? Some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Have you ever pondered that? Those words? Have you ever had a moment in your life when you encountered somebody and you thought, wow, that kind of feels like that verse? That maybe you had a very fleeting interaction with someone, but they brought exactly what it was you needed at that moment? I have. 
And actually, sometimes it's been the strangest people that God has put in my life that have been the ones who've most meaningfully spoken into exactly where I was at that moment. I've heard this before very briefly. One night, I was just struggling. I was at the church up, up north really early in my ministry. I was feeling very disappointed in myself, and I was meant to be preaching that weekend. I wasn't doing that a lot then, and I was, it was late. It's like 11.30 at night. I was in the office on my own, and the phone rang. For some reason, I decided to pick it up, and it was this guy who was practically homeless at that point, some serious addiction problems, but we had connected, and he said that he felt called to call the church and tell me that I'm a beloved child of God, and I'm so loved by God, and I, I broke down in tears, right? And this guy was not someone you look at and go like, you know, an angel. <laughs> his name was Lion, and he was bounced around from home to home to home to home all of his life, but God sent this guy into my life. You know, it's actually an allusion really to the Old Testament where these people appeared to Abraham with this message. And they were the strangers, they appeared. There were three of them. Apparently one of them was in some way the Lord come to Abraham to tell him that one day a nation will come from you. But I, but I think that there is such a, an application for this today that sometimes it's the very stranger that we meet that is God's messenger to show us something or teach us something. And that we can perhaps uh, approach strangers with that sense of, of optimism and curiosity. Now, I'm not saying be stupid. You know, don't go looking for strangers in strange places <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, Jesus, one of my most favorite things that Jesus said about all this kind of area is he asked us, told us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? Don't be stupid, don't be foolish, but be open, be receptive to people that God may have sent to you. And sadly, in this, in this world, we have a really heightened sense of insecurity, you know? It's very hard to love your neighbors when you're afraid of them or don't trust them. And I have to say, I've rarely ever met someone that was a stranger to me that, that didn't actually turn out to be, you know, okay and just had some same needs that I had, loneliness, a need for community. We judge people so quickly sometimes. And I think we miss out sometimes on what, on what God is doing. The third thing is it's these two words, compassion and empathy. Love has to have compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion. Compassion is what led him to act. Compassion uh, for us and, 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 the love, and love for the glory of God is what led him to give his life up for us. And empathy is putting yourself in someone else's Shoes, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. That's a strong statement. Continue to remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So easy to forget the people who are away, hidden away. I mean, we could even apply that to people who are shut in, who are alone. Don't forget about them. So it's amazing, actually, there's a progression in this first section from maybe what we in our comfort zone would like to be around, which is people who are our immediate family, because we can't choose them, right? They're, we're stuck with them, right? And then people who agree with us and our friends, people who make us feel good or say nice things about us, right? This just kind of blows the whole thing up. It goes with brothers and sisters, but not just your brothers and sisters, but all those brothers and sisters who are now your siblings. And then it moves out to those who are strangers, so more remote, and then it moves to those who are criminals in the eyes of society who have been imprisoned or those who are being despised. This is where our love should be. Go 
going shared with these people. And the next section, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. What does this have to do with how we might be perceived in this world as followers of Jesus? Well, I think a, a phrase that sums this up well, this, this command, this, this word is love and integrity. Love and integrity. You know, we could address this issue more fully and it would take a lot of conversation. This is not a simple thing in our world. It's, not, it's complicated. But there, there's potentially two thoughts that this author is addressing in this. The first one is addressing a confused and broken understanding of marriage relationships uh, that reflected the moral confusion of the culture in which these believers were living. It was a mess in many ways at that time. A lot of confusion and a lot of harmful, exploitative practices in this, in this area. Of course, in a patriarchal society, it was typically always the women who were expected to toe the line with whatever was going on, and the men really would set the tone for what they could or could not do. And there were many things that we'd be horrified to think of that were considered to be perfectly natural and normal for Romans to have many mistresses, whatever was going on. The Christians were doing something different. But the second thing it could be about was this religious spirit, this, this spirit that saw all flesh as evil. Therefore, marriage was something you would never do because all that is flesh, all that is of the earth is forbidden because now we are these spiritual creatures attaining this holiness. So it could be either of these things, but they are told to honor marriage. I've done quite a lot of weddings so far in my life, and what is always important is to realize it's not just about the couple. It's not just about the couple and God. So there's that commitment between them to honor and to this covenant that they are making, and I hope when they get to that point to do it, they are serious about it. They are counting the cost, perhaps, of doing that. It's also a promise with God, but also in the community. We always say before these friends and these family, you make this commitment, but there's also a commitment from the friends and family to do no harm to this marriage. And he wanted the community to realize that their bonds of fellowship were so tight that in this covenant, this commitment, no one was to mess with that. You know, adultery is a complicated issue. Right here in this room, there's probably many different views, either that have been acted on or are being held about what divorce is legitimate. You know, we got, sometimes we are very easy to quick talk about sexual sin and say, well, this and that, but we have some challenges in our own church when we read the texts in the Bible that talk about something, for example, divorce. And I think we extend grace to people because life is messy and life is complicated and Christ has forgiven us and there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, grace must be extended, I think, to all of us who wrestle with this issue. You know, sexual immorality, as, as the Ralther talks about, here's what it is at its root. It's idolization of our own self and our own pleasure at the expense of another person or persons. We are part of the body of Christ and we all have the capacity for seeing and taking and, and, and there's very much pointing to this in the sphere of sexuality. Idolization of my own self 
and my own pleasure at the expense of another person, denying their image of God and the respect that I owe them as brothers and sisters in the faith. And that can happen in many, many ways. Even the fact that it says the marriage bed should be kept pure. That, that means that love extends into that area where there should be no exploitative, coercive activity in that sphere of life either because you're husband and wife, but you're also in Christ and all of this call to love and respect and mutuality and humility apply also to this sphere. You know, people talk a lot these days about purity culture. Have you heard that? Anyone's read about Christianity and kind of the, kind of the fallout from some of our evangelical movements? I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Did anyone read that book? Josh Harris? No? Wow, you guys avoided all the stuff. Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of people who were raised in the church who have got some serious trauma from the purity culture that was taught to them, enforced over them, uh, throughout their relationship with evangelical Christianity. And I've met many of them. Women have been taught to believe that their bodies are a source of temptation, that they are evil, um, and many other things. So I think a really good word here is integrity culture, to have integrity uh, in all aspects of our lives. What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself? I think that's a really good place to start to try and evaluate. Not simply following rules, not simply avoiding physical, mental, emotional acts and affirmations that might be sinful, but seeking with all of our heart to engage in a process of serious reflection about what God's call is for disciples of Jesus when it comes to this area of life. Because we're not good rule followers. It becomes, we become hypocritical become burdened down with rules, but there's a freedom in saying, God, what do you want me to do with my body? And he will show us and he will teach us to have integrity and value and honor who we are as his people. The second, the third uh, part is this goes very well with sex. Can I say sex when there's youth in here? I got this passage coming along. I'm like, it's okay. It's part of human existence. But it's interesting, the very next thing is money. <laughs> but you know, it, but it, and not just because we won't talk about these things in church, but like, isn't it just kind of the world? We're sex obsessed and we're money obsessed. And it's funny, this was written how many years ago? And we're still dealing with all of the trauma and struggle around these two issues. And, and so he goes into this concept of love and security. I didn't say love and money because the whole concept here is talking about money is because we are afraid of not being secure enough, not having what we need. He says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And we've heard this saying, you can't serve two masters, right? You can't serve God and you can't serve money. They both can actually have similar results in our lives, but one of them will leave us broken and disappointed, will never satisfy us, and the other one 
will give us deep satisfaction and joy for eternity. Uh, Rich Mullins, who was a songwriter, I really appreciate, wrote this song called One Thing. He said, everyone I know says they need just one thing. And what they really mean is that they they need just one thing more. Right? It's about, it's about insecurity. We struggle. And, and I think it's wonderful, as one commentator said, that it says, remember, God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? One commentator says that this inner confidence that God is for me, with me, leads to a vocal confidence. And I can almost imagine the, the early church when they gathered to hear this, the preacher saying, okay, say it with me. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Can we say that again? Because that was really quiet. <laughs> the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I think so often, not a lot, Farid said. I really think we, we believe that we can build a castle of money and security, and by means of that, we will be protected from the world. And I think God is in the business sometimes of smashing that stuff down and letting us realize that it's never going to be enough. What does this have to do with love? Well, it's this, I think. If you love money as a priority, you cannot love God and others. If, you're, if your heart is set on riches, if your heart is set on more and more, you cannot love God and others. Someone once told me, and you've probably heard it, you know, if you say yes to something, you've got to say no to something else. The more we say yes to money, the more we have to say no to these other considerations. A love and a pursuit of money as a priority will diminish our ability to love our brothers and sisters, with all that means, the visiting stranger who interrupts our career, <laughs> our productivity. Prisoners and the mistreated, they're, they're forgotten. What possible benefit would that have to our, our wealth accumulation for that? Spouses and other family members. And furthermore, I think if, you spend, if we spend our time focused on the accumulation of wealth, we will actually miss out on the genuine security that comes from a deep and wide community. We said it before, we can either be members of a community or we can be competitors within a community. God wants us to see the riches of this and the abundant wealth that we have together. So these early Christians had completely rejected the values and goals of their society and the author was encouraging them to continue to do so in areas of what it meant to be a family, what it meant to be hospitable, for sexual integrity, compassion, empathy. Why? Why was this now their identity? Well, because they were following Jesus. That's what they said they were going to do, and therefore, this is what it looked like. You know, the writer has spent this whole time talking about Jesus, elevating him, describing all that he is is and all he has done, And now he says, because of all this, this is how you should love one another and your community. And he says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a constant, stable example and presence and power that is in Christ that can enable us to step into this way of living as his people. 
And Jesus demonstrated this. Jesus took a whole bunch of weird people and said, you are brothers and sisters. Now, Jesus extended hospitality to strangers. He broke all conventions of who he should speak to, who he should not speak to. He crossed over the street all the time to the perplexity of the religious leaders and his own disciples. What is he doing talking to that person? We don't talk to those people. Jesus and the prisoner and the mistreated, those who were despised, he always went out to them. You know, this concept of like a wider family, strangers are now part of it, prisoners and the despised are part of it. Jesus kept going out and out and out and out further to the margins of what society considered to be healthy associations. Jesus said this, um, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is an integrity. I read one time this amazing thing that Jesus is the only man who never looked, touched, or spoke with another person without integrity of motive, desire, and love. That's a beautiful picture. This man who, as we say sometimes, consider older women to be your mother, women your age to be your sisters, and younger women to be your, your daughters. That's a good way to think about it, guys. To have integrity, Jesus had that beautiful integrity. And Jesus and his trust in God over money. Jesus' treasures were being with his people and their well-being. So here's why I think this Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever means that it was because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever, we can be different. Because of his steadfast work, we can be different. Because Jesus doesn't change, we can change. This is good news. We are not condemned to the broken patterns of our world. And the world needs to see us grasp a hold of the power that we have. Because Jesus never changes, we can be transformed. Jesus yesterday saved us Jesus today keeps us. Jesus forever rejoices with us. So why does he talk about leaders? Before he talks about Jesus being the same yesterday, today, forever, he has this thing. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Remember their leaders. Most people think these are people who have died, but who were early leaders in the church who shared the word, shared the gospel, but it doesn't really talk so much about what they, these people as individuals, it talked about what they pointed to and it talked about the quality of life. Actually, it's like if we said their names, Paul, word association, Paul, whatever they would say, Mark, Priscilla, these leaders in the church, he's saying that these people lived in such a way that you associated and it was a reflection of Jesus that was compelling to you. That is why you came to faith, because Christ was working through these people, because they had integrity and they loved you. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. Think about people you've known. Who have you known where you, you think about them and their faith and you feel 
encouraged, you feel joyful, you feel inspired. We want to be those people. You know the song, they'll know we are Christians by our, don't say it. <laughs> I, like, like, I like to gently mock our Christian culture with that song around the particulars of how we might be identified in the world, you know. It's kind of doing the same thing, word association. I go to a stranger in the street and say, hey, you know they're Christians by their, and I've got some. They'll know we're Christians by our bumper stickers. <laughs> They'll know we are Christians by our political party. They'll know we are Christians by our joyless party pooper vibes. <laughs> our judgy attitudes. Our incessant need to... I don't know. They'll know we are Christians by many, many things. What does the passage, what does the song say? They'll know we are Christians by our love. And it is possible because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can be transformed, and we are being transformed. We can have confidence that God is working right here, right now. Hands up who has experienced that in their lives. Who's experienced movement? It's not easy, is it? It is not easy. But the door is open. The door is open. The band's gonna play a song now. It's probably a new song to many of us. And it's just a chance before we go to communion to just reflect. And music has a wonderful capacity to open our hearts and our minds. So if you just want to sit and listen to the words, you can join in if you want. Let's make this a prayer that simply says, because of all that Christ is, I have confidence that I'm growing, that I can be each day a conduit of his love to my neighbors, to my brothers and sisters, to myself, to the stranger, to the ones who have no hope. I don't have to be the smartest person in the world. I don't have to be, have all the answers. I don't have to be able to accomplish all these great acts. I simply need to receive Christ's presence and life in me. He will use me just as I am, just where I am. Let's take some time to worship and then we'll go to communion together. of what Christ has done. When we say he will never fail, uh, that should create in us the desire to respond. You know, it's like the solid rock, the firm foundation. You know, I, I sometimes, my greatest prayer is that we would see all of us just how solid and faithful and trustworthy that, that Christ is for us.
And, and in response to that, today we come again to the table and it's this whole body experience to actually get up out of our chairs if we're able. We'll also serve you where you are and come in response. Say, God, you say you'll never fail me. I come, I receive. I want to be in this relationship with you. Um, knowing that our sins have been forgiven and that his purposes are now and present for each one of us in such a beautiful, creative way. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. Some of us are going through tremendous struggle right now and God sees it. I sought the Lord and he answered. That story's still being written, okay? That's our confidence. Today is not the sum total of our lives. He is working. He will bring it to a good conclusion, a good beginning. And, and while we're in this world, we mourn with those who mourn, we weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice. You don't have to strive or struggle, you just have to show up as you are. God is working among us. We bring ourselves to the table. We bring nothing. We just bring ourselves. We say, Lord Jesus, I take this cup and I take this bread. Nourish my spirit, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. So in your own time, the station at the back and at the front, if you desire to continue to engage in this journey with God and with your brothers and sisters, come and take a piece of bread and a little cup. Take it back to your seat. Spend some time in prayer, even if it's unspoken silence, and then we will take it together shortly. Let's do that together. we take this bread, we, we recognize that in doing so, we remember your body that was given for us. We remember also the body that is represented in this room. And we also recognize your body of believers all around the world, some of whom are facing tremendous trouble and suffering. So Lord, uh, increase our love for our brothers and sisters. Increase, increase our openness to the strangers. Increase our openness to those who are in prison, those who are being mistreated. Uh, nourish our bodies uh, with this bread, but also, Lord, nourish our spirits that we might uh, more deeply appreciate that you have done all that is necessary, that we can now step into that life. Uh, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. that into yourself that you might redeem a people for your name 
We thank you, Lord, for your great sacrifice, that we might be named children of God, and that is what we are. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, the words that we said about um, what can anyone do to me the Lord is my Savior actually comes from Psalm 118 um, and the repeated refrain in that song is that his love endures forever this endless supply of God's love is what we draw from uh, so we're going to sing now together let's stand and we're going to sing the song uh, that speaks of that Psalm 118